This is the Transformation Bros Podcast. Here are your hosts, Jason and Nathan. Hey guys, welcome back to the show, episode number 13. And great to have you here as always. Hope you had a great week, Friday. Yeah, so, summer's coming. So, We're in spring here, wherever you are in the world. We <laughs> yeah. are the lucky ones right spring now. Spring's coming for us. Man, it's Ooh. exciting. Yeah, very exciting. I it's forgot how much fresh. I love spring and summer. Yeah, I always love spring. Yeah. Just that, yeah, I love those early mornings. I love the sun coming up early. I love that you can just chuck a t-shirt on and go walking mm. around. Mm. Oh, it's going to yeah. be great. It's made all the more beautiful too by having come through winter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, a funny thing. Oh, gosh, this is a first world problem. But when I was traveling for a few years after I left flying, uh, I kind of followed the sun a little bit. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it's like the dream, right? Yeah. You know, did like a little mini retirement for a few years. <laughs> Travel, yeah. Traveled all around the place. Um it was awesome. Yeah. But I realized that if you live in summer, you know, or like warm temperature year round, you don't have that contrast no, to compare right. it to. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a good, a good example for life or just nature yeah. that we have to be sad to experience happy. You yeah. Know, if you're happy all the time, we don't have a contrast to it. Yeah, that's right. So if we don't feel the full range of emotions... They don't really mean as much. And it's the same thing having come through the deep, dark winter. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. We love it. got winter. to four degrees one night and, like, I had to put the heater on. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, coming through winter and just, yeah, dark, dark, long, dark nights and stuff like that, you know, to go into summer, it's like, oh, like you say, that excitement of summer. Yeah, it's, in a, great, it's a great metaphor as well because light, that's what life is like. If it's always light and easy, for some reason, I mean, I've, there's a part of me that wants that, right? Of course. But when we go through the dark or the tough times, it, we really do appreciate things more. I do love that. Yeah. You know, there's um, gratitude as a bit of a buzzword the last few years. It's magic. But it's it can be tip and tricky. Tipster tricksty. Really? Tricksy we... tripster. Well, uh, tell me Because more. I think if you force gratitude, mm. it doesn't have it's good no okay let me preface it no being grateful for anything anytime is great but kind of pretending you're grateful or not feeling you gotta feel it that's right you gotta feel it but i'll often say instead of trying to create a gratitude practice go and find a situation which will have gratitude be the natural Mm. outcome Mm. so if you go and work at the Salvation Army for a day or you go and work in a soup kitchen or you go and spend the day just walking around talking to homeless people or, um, you know, like even if you're just reading some of the stuff about Afghanistan and, mm. you know, like how awful that is, it ain't hard to be grateful. I don't have, I don't need to have a gratitude practice when I'm really seeing how bad and how hard life can be for so many people. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so that that's one thing I think just – looking for situations or understanding the contrast of your yeah. life versus other people's life. Man, you know, you wouldn't want to change, swap lives no. for anything. No, that's right. And I love the analogy like the heart heart rate monitor when everything's just going right. You did. Or, yeah, you did. Yeah. Enjoy the peaks and troughs and so, or find a way to enjoy them. Yeah, that's right. Change your way of being around peaks and troughs yeah well 
we did a little poll in the group, and uh, if you haven't joined the Art of Transformation Facebook group by now, Jeez. what are you doing with yeah. your life? What are you even doing? Yeah. Uh, so, it's of easy. course, it's up to you. If you don't want to join, please don't join. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to come and hang out in a really cool community, uh, everybody in the group is uh, really cool, interacting a lot, asking a lot of questions, getting mm. to know each other. So that's been really fun. But we did a poll this week. Yeah. We asked a bunch of questions, what you guys would like to hear us talk about on the show this week. Mm. There's a couple of options. Uh, um, how you deal with – or do you want to learn about – or how did yeah. you word it? Something about said, fear yeah, and – Yeah, fear and uh, imposter syndrome imposter when syndrome. you're creating something new, uh, improving your relationship with your parents. Nobody clicked that one. Yeah, fascinating. Mm. I wonder why. Um, I wonder and, why too. I yeah. think it's interesting actually just what people clicked on or what people voted for. Yeah. Uh, I think parents, most people are like, ugh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if well, maybe they're Maybe all they've got great relationships with their parents. Maybe that, yeah. That's actually a really good point. Maybe we're projecting. Maybe we are. We yeah, love our parents. Humans don't project. Yeah. Uh, some other questions here. Anyway, it was really cool, but by far the one on uh, how to overcome or deal with fear and imposter syndrome when you're creating something new, was the most popular. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to spend the whole podcast talking about that because it's such a big topic. And who knows where we're going to go today. Yeah, who knows? Hmm. Let's go. What's your initial thoughts when that comes up? Um, well, I've been dealing with it my whole life <laughs> because yeah. I've oh, always... Oh, so you're a human. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, like, so what? I've always created little businesses even since I was little. I had my first business uh, when I was like 12 or 13. What was that business? Uh, we were carting hay. No way. It was 33, or it was 30 cents a bale. Mm. We got uh, 10 cents each. Were you born in 1893? We were. <laughs> we were. <laughs> I'm not even telling you how long ago <laughs> I was born. But we got 10 cents a bale each, and then we'd give um, my stepdad 10 cents for the tractor and the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. He was Happy profiting. Days. It was uh, he was probably not even making any money out of that. I'd say even back in the eighties, yeah, the pumpkin growing business too. Didn't you? I grew pumpkins. I can tell you why not to grow pumpkins. Um, I don't like pumpkins anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, actually, I t- took my first load of pumpkins to the market. Yeah, it was a great day. I put uh, I think forty dollars in my uncle's truck to take like <laughs> ten tons of pumpkins to the market, and I got twenty dollars. <laughs> Boy, boy. That's brutal. Yeah. The only thing I still like is pumpkin soup. Really? But, yeah. So there's a bit of trauma around pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, So so do you mean because of all that you've experienced a lot of fear or a lot of imposter syndrome or both? Um, I didn't know about imposter syndrome for a long time, actually. That's probably only only been in the last decade or so. Yeah. Um, And I didn't know – it didn't have a name back then, Mm. I don't think. That'd be right. Yeah. But – Dealing with fear, so I've always, um, as I've put myself into other situations to create other businesses, I've kind of like been able to jump in and just see how it goes. Um, you know, I lost seventy thousand dollars on the fish and chip venture that mm. we did, and that really stole my mojo. It took me like a year to get over that. Um, that's a mojo stealer. That's a mojo stealer. But uh, imposter syndrome mainly comes for me now around coaching. Um, you know, if I've got a client, what do I know? Um, 
if I start a Facebook group, I've got a Facebook group at the moment for men that I post in quite regularly or semi-regularly, and that I feel impostery there. I don't want to be teaching. What am I? What do I know? Why do I think I know yeah. more than anyone else? It's definitely real. Yeah, it is definitely real. I yeah, I think about the same thing when I transition from pilot to whatever this is. <laughs> uh, yeah, coach, podcaster. That uh, that's when it kind of peaked for me. Fear and imposter syndrome. I didn't have it a lot when I was a pilot because I was very confident you'd always in my abilities. Been a pilot, though, you know, as long as you'd been working. Right? Yeah, there was something about um, youthful ignorance. I think or just <laughs> youthful exuberance. Yeah, give me that back. Yeah, I know. I but I often think that I think, man, I was. I, I have. I, I haven't had the same confidence in coaching that I had as a pilot. Why do you think that is? Uh, coaching's way harder. <laughs> I think it's and yeah, flying way planes more. is real easy. But it, I guess you it was for me for in the end. I mean, just after years and years and years and years of doing it. Mm. But even at the start, it just felt like. I know what it is. We're a lot easier on ourselves when we go through a training because oh, yeah. it's really quite normal. Right. This is how we get better. Yeah, and it's I all very some logical. Exams and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't all easy. Yeah. But you're actually in training as opposed to maybe offering what you've learned. Yeah. Did you have imposter syndrome when you were training pilots? No. No, I didn't. But that I, I, did, that theory. I can think a couple of times when I got into airlines like when I joined a new airline and walking into the cockpit, you know, of a jet or something for the first time to go on your first flight and thinking, I, I think they've made a mistake. You know, someone's going to walk in here because it was too good. You know, it was yeah, such wow. an exciting time. And I just kept thinking someone's going to walk in and go, oh, we found a mistake on your CV. What are you doing here, sir? This is not for you. Uh, and come and pull me out and take me away. So there's a version of it. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, with with uh, with coaching or even with podcasting, it feels so much bigger. One, again, I know I've said this a few times, but because it's about me, like it's my business, I'm the coach. So it's it's really like it's all me, right? Mm. You know, and so it's not, I can't blame it on anybody else. There's no system I can blame it on. It's quite personal. It's really about me. And so, and and it is just very, very nuanced and very challenging being a good coach uh but how do you become good at anything nobody's born a perfect anything nobody starts out a perfect anything so what i would say interested to hear what you think is that imposter syndrome is part of starting something new it has to be yeah absolutely and you are an imposter if you want to use that terminology i would just say you're new you're green you don't know yet you have to go and fail yeah but effectively that's where we all start yeah we do and as we are i reckon it's probably then one of the major things of being in business is actually charging for your work because of this very thing that we're talking about mm. and i see it a lot where um and i did it a lot actually if i think about myself it was always like that feeling of how could I charge this? I know everyone else is charging X amount, but how can I, how do I warrant that? I'm mm-hmm. new. Um, and it's taken years to be able to go, well, this is what we're worth. This is what we charge. Um, not as an arrogance, but more as a self-worth. 
Mm. And I do see it a lot in, I guess, particularly small business um, where people, they they want to feel worthy of it before they can charge. But how do you actually do that? How do you get, is it time? Is it the quality of your work? And I see people that actually do amazing quality of their work but still can't charge, so it's got to be internal. Mm. It's pretty real. Yeah, it's really it's really real. Yeah, I think about, um, yeah, yeah, it's about owning the value, isn't it? Owning your own value. Oh, gosh, I mean, is that a metaphor for life, really, mm. the, whole, the whole nine yards? Uh, another ad for coaching because I think, uh, we don't know our own value often. And one thing a good coach is really good at is helping you identify your zone of genius, where your value is, because it probably comes so naturally to you, you can't see it. So actually having them describe it, point it out, break it down for you so that it's really clear. Yeah, and then helping you to move through to to actually making that value stand out in the world. Mm. Which actually, my last coach that I with Tony, that was still hard for me to feel that worth, yeah, and that value. Which is imposter syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, it's even though it's there, you don't feel like it's there. Yeah, so I think we've established what it looks like mm. and what it is. What? Do, how do we overcome it? Jason and Nathan. Yeah, good question. So, I think particularly around. Uh, Particularly, like let's use the business example, right? If you've got a new business, uh, we talked about starting a coaching business. You said you had it in your original business, where it's yeah. like this um, fear about like not being good enough. Can I own it? Will anyone pay for this? Is this going to work? How do I sell myself when I, you know, I feel embarrassed or I don't even know if I'm good enough, so I don't even want to put myself out there. Um. There's a part I want to identify too of that fear that it may be, this part of it might be true, right? There's part of it that might be, hey, maybe you haven't got your business model right. One thing we talk about with this podcast is the first 50 or 100 episodes in our mind are just going to be average yeah, or shit. Yeah. Because it's new <laughs> and it's like we're putting them out there. I wanted to make a joke about that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, that's right. But you just got to doing it inspired action and just actually getting on with something is good but the numbers never lie in business it was when i lost that 70 grand in the fish and chip shop when i was trying to franchise when we were trying to franchise fish and chips is that that remember that day that we had that meeting with that restaurateur mm-hmm. and we were like oh shit these numbers don't yeah, he add gave us up. the breakdown of what the numbers need to look like to make yeah. this kind of thing work and they were way off hours are way out yeah and from there on it was just winding it down and getting out of it basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. then, so you do have to take that into account. The numbers never lie. Yeah. So having fear or having imposter syndrome, it overcoming that fear doesn't mean everything's going to work. Yeah. It doesn't mean, you know, like if you have a fear of failure and then you work on overcoming your fear of failure, it doesn't guarantee that everything you do is never going to fail again. Yeah. Good point. So that's the part of it is actually one identify the fear what is your fear is it a fear of failure is it a fear of humiliation is it a fear of embarrassing yourself is it a fear of getting overwhelmed there's a a particular flavor of fear of like what if this thing takes off and gets too big for me and i'm not good enough to run it or hold it what if it all gets too much for me and i'm not good enough to to keep up with it Mm. identify which flavor your fear has and then look at it really 
objectively. Um, a good way, like we said, if it's an imposter syndrome, a lot of the times we can't see ourselves. So getting someone to reflect who you actually are. Uh, Rich Lipvin was one of my original coaches. What he talks about when you're starting a coaching business is you're not starting a coaching business. You're bringing 30 years of life experience in to help somebody else, right? So you might be a new coach, quote unquote, but you're not new at life. You're mm. not new at leadership. Mm. You're not new at trying things. And so he made me see that I'm not actually a new coach. I've created a whole career as a pilot, you know, and created a whole bunch of success around that. I've made money in lots of different ways. I've worked on myself. I've overcome things. I've had to learn how to be authentic as a gay man and live confidently in that. So there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm actually bringing in to my coaching business. So that really helped me acknowledge the truth about my value and who I am mm, and start mm. to like soften that imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. So we could say, okay, I've got imposter syndrome. What What's the, the truth around it? Well, here's the truth. I've got all these amazing qualities. I've done this. I did that coach training. And here's also the other truth. You haven't done that much coaching. You're not going to be that good to start with. Does that mean stop? No, it means go and do a average job, do your best that you can, which still might not be that good. Learn from your mistakes, have a coach, be trained around it, get better and keep working through it. Mm. Right. So like it's holding those two things. Yeah, exactly. It's like fail fast. They say fail fast. Yeah. Get it, get stuff done. It's like these podcasts. We just get them done. Just yeah. keep going. That's we don't right. actually know where, where this is going to go or, you know, how it's going to end up, but it's just the fun of actually doing something. Because if it isn't fun, you really shouldn't be doing it. Well, it but you've heard us talk about the moments this podcast hasn't been fun. Yeah. There's just been a few moments where you and I have had a challenging interaction, where we've been scared to tell our truth, where, you yeah. know, fears come up. So we've You've got to push through. I mean... Well, acknowledge it. Acknowledge, yeah. You know, we didn't push through, did we? Like, we acknowledged it, we stopped, we talked about it, and yeah. then kept going. Yeah. And that's like, because we like coaching ourselves. Yeah. That's something we talked about last night is how grateful we how are. How lucky we are to have that. Yeah, because if you are doing this on your own, and a lot of business people can feel that. I mean, I'd certainly felt on my own for a very, very oh, long yeah. time. It was a really big part of it. So if you do have a coach, you've got someone that you can bounce ideas off. You can someone that can got someone that can reflect back. And actually let you know how you're going in so many different ways, whether you whether you can't see that you're actually making headway, if you can't remember what it used to be like, all that sort of stuff is so, so important. So important. When it comes to what we talked about, you said the numbers don't lie. So if I've got fear about my business, a part of my business, I'm trying something new, I'm scared it's going to fail, I look at the numbers and they don't, that actually is not good news. How do I deal with that? Isn't my fear coming real? Like, isn't that, shouldn't that put me off business? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you've got to find a way that it's going to work. Otherwise you've got a charity. Yeah. And they're two different things. And there's nothing, I think, and not, actually this leads into another really big point is that you're not a charity. It's, there's nothing wrong with making money and, and creating a successful business. A lot of, I think the fear might be, that um, I don't want to look bad, I don't want to appear greedy or overconfident or arrogant. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't give your gift and actually serve people and do things that you want to do and create this amazing life. And you're ask for being, money in return. And our, yeah, money is just an exchange for value. 
Um, so if you're so if you don't do that, you're actually being selfish. Yeah, you're being stingy. Way, being stingy. Mm. And I love when I learned that money is an exchange for value. That changed a lot for me because basically, if you're in an interaction and um, you give value in some way to someone and they give you value back and it's not monetary, then that's a great exchange. It really, really works. But if you give value to them and they don't have anything physical or any way that they can repay you, then they give you money, literally, as an exchange for the value you gave them. That's right. It's a beautiful concept. It really freed me. Yeah. I didn't answer your question, though. What was your question again? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> right now I have fear of not knowing what to say next. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's... Yeah, it's around. Oh, you said what if the what if the numbers don't add up? That's right. If the numbers don't add up, but you still really really want to do it, then you've got a choice. You could do it as a break even and still keep your own job, or you could do it in a different way that's going to still work. If you're really really passionate about something, but another great thing that I've learned is that if you're extremely passionate about something. <laughs> That value is going to come to you, and maybe not You'll in a way that a way. you think, mm. but you're at least living a passionate life. And that's something I highly recommend for men in particular that I've worked with, is that passion will carry you. It will carry you so far because all of a sudden you're freaking passionate about something. It even doesn't matter what it is, it's really. It's so enrolling. It's enrolling. You get, it's addictive. You want to be around it. People will help you um, as long as you're not needy and but you can't really be needy when you're passionate. Mm. It's kind of just, um, um, what's the word, inspiring. It's inspiring. Mm. Yeah, I think in terms of looking at the numbers in a business and saying the numbers don't lie, you, you, you made a good point when you said like a lot of people just aren't asking for the value and asking for the money that they're worth. And someone said to me once that it's, they call it ABS breaking. In your business, which means anything but sales, yeah, because you're so scared to actually own your worth, own your value, lean into that fear of the imposter syndrome that you just never sell anything. You build your website, you get your yeah. business cards made, you lease the office, you buy a new chair, you get your laptop service, whatever. Anything but talk about your business yeah. and, and enroll and people ask in for it. money, yeah. A lot of times my client will say, man, I just, I still haven't made any money from this business or, you know, I still, I haven't made any money this week or whatever. And I'll say, well, how many people did you ask to give you money yeah. this week? Yeah. And they're like, oh, no one. Yeah. So like, it's probably not likely you're going to have money then, is it? If no. you haven't asked anyone for it. Yeah. And go for the low hanging fruit. I always remember saying that, you know, like get, get something going, mm. find the quickest and easiest way that you've actually comfortable with whatever that means. Yeah. Um, but you're right, not asking for the money, it feels greedy or it feels like... Um, asking for the money, you mean? Yeah, like, and that's sales basically, isn't it? Yeah. When I, it, this happens to me any time I put my price up too. And so it's not just the first time you ask mm. something. Mm. It's as you grow in your business and you get better and you recognize the value's growing and it's like you have to put your price up or you might want to put your price up, then it all comes up again. Yeah. And so the thought for me is like, man, is is this coaching, is this work that I'm giving someone, is it actually worth this money? Is it actually worth it? And the thing that helped me a lot is oh, about 10 different things, but one was like, man, I'm making this so significant. 
mm. I'm making mm. like this this payment into my business means so much, this big, heavy thing. And it just became stressful. It became mm. stressful to have to think that I had to deliver on that. So the reality is I have a fee to work with me. And when I share that fee, it's really up to the client to see if there's value in it or not. It's not really, it doesn't mean anything about me or my worth. It's about what whether they think that has value for them in their life, where they are in that moment with their problems, is that value. So it doesn't really mean anything for me. And if they say no, it just means they're no. They're, they're well, a no they right now. they see something for themselves. That's right. Yeah. And so that's the, the next part too is realizing that particularly in a coaching business, they're investing in themselves. They're investing in the future they want to create, the vision that they want to create. And it that they're not investing in me. I'm going to be the one there facilitating it and being the um, their, their biggest uh, cheerleader. But ultimately, they're putting a, a line in the sand through an investment to say, I'm committed to making this result happen. Yeah, and people don't get sold stuff, they buy stuff. Mm. So you've got to, like, want it. And whether you're going to, like, if I was buying it, do I see the value for myself? And if you can't, you know, like a depressing part of business is trying to convince people to buy oh, something. The worst, right? Yeah, because now you're on the wrong side of the fence. You Here's your offer, do you want it? Yeah. And that, I think that's in any business. It's, it's particularly easy with coffee, right? <laughs> because people come in wanting coffee. They want their morning coffee. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But you've got the offering there and they're buying it. You're not walking around trying to sell coffee to people that are walking past that don't actually want coffee. No. And I realized for me with that fear of selling it to them or wondering what if it, what if I can't deliver on it, I was like, well, what's the worst case scenario? Literally, what's the worst case scenario? They say no. Well, if we're if we're in, if they say yes, oh, and then yeah, we're right. in it, and I can't deliver, deliver on it, mm. they either go, "Oh well, that didn't work out," or that wasn't what I was hoping for, but never mind. Or they go, "Can I have a refund?" And then I go into my bank, and then I give them a refund. Mm. Yeah, that was the worst case scenario that I was making all the significance about of like, what if I can't do this, and what if I can't perform, and da 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 da. But what actually happens is you go, oh, that didn't really work. Damn. Maybe I was, maybe I thought I could do better than I could, or maybe they weren't a good enough client. Maybe they weren't the right client for me, and we just it took us a while to actually figure that out. It wasn't right, and we parted ways. And when I actually looked at how that scenario might play out, it didn't feel as stingy mm. as mm. what I was, what mm. my body was scared of, what this fear was happening in my body. Yeah, well, that's pretty normal though, right? It's never really as bad as what we make it out to no be. that's right but as we know with coaching it's really the client's work to it do is. the work yeah. you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink and that's why when you to give your you know example of when you're getting into that convincing mode i'll try and notice if i'm in that because it's like that's not going to work no if i'm having to try and convince someone it's like gosh imagine how hard it's going to be to work for with them, them to transform themselves yeah if i'm convincing them just to actually want it yeah you know, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, most of us have a bargain mentality. So they, they, when they're buying something, they will look for the cheapest. Mm. I got a whole story on that, but that's not for today. But yeah, yeah. And I think uh, the only other thing I'll say is, 
if you're looking at your own value or you're looking at your product, I don't know how you do this with your business. We're very different businesses. But have a think about what is the value proposition. So when I'm working with a client, I'm trying to transform their life. And what's the value of transforming someone's life? And my answer is always it's priceless because it's so valuable. Transformation impacts every little nook and cranny of your entire life. If you can transfer just one, transform just one thing in your life, it has a ginormous flow on effect for everything that happens for the rest of your life. Absolutely. That's absolutely priceless. Yeah. So I go, cool. Well, if I start with the fact that the value of transformation is priceless, now I get to work backwards from priceless, not up from $100. Hmm. I work back from, fuck, this is priceless. Hmm. So, but what's actually going to make it work for both of us. So in your business, you might think, well, what actually is the value of what I'm offering? Mm. How do you do that in your business? When you think about who your company is and what you do differently, how do you quantify the value of your offer? Yeah, making people's life easy. Whether you're a gardener who's doing the hard yards for the person that's paying, once again, it's that exchange for value. Mm -hmm. So I can use money to get someone to do something that I don't want to do. So in my business, we just know that we do amazing work and we know how hard it is for the people to do what we do. And I reckon that's, once again, part of the zone of genius is when you're really good, when you're good at something and it doesn't feel like work, then someone's going to give you money because it feels like work to them. You know, we've got a recruitment company and we deal with the worst part of a lot of businesses, which is staff. Mm. Yes, that's all of you we're talking yeah. about. But, unless you have your own business. Yeah, unless you have your own business. But, you know, we actually enjoy it. It's our zone of genius. The people that work for me and with me, plus myself, we love that. So the value for us is also um, priceless because other people will do it begrudgingly and it'll be difficult and it's pull their hair out and they don't get it wrong. We come along and we go, hey, how about this? And they're like, oh, God, that was so easy. And that's like um, when my gardener comes along, I freaking hate gardening. I would much prefer to pay whatever it is, which isn't much, but I get to look at it. I get the outcome, which is so satisfying, and I didn't have to do that work. But so my gardener would, you, would what, hate to be doing recruitment, right? That's right. What would you say your gardener's – because the likelihood is that your gardener probably can't recognize his or her value, right? Let's just stick yeah. to go on this example. Yeah. But how would you communicate to your gardener their value to you? What would you say the um, value is? Yeah, that's right. Well, I tell Their them. Value. I, I, yeah, that's right. I tell I tell them I would um, have grey color, uh, green color concrete. Yeah, that would be my perfect garden. But obviously, it doesn't work. But like, do you mean how do I inspire them to keep doing a good job? Or no, how just I, how would you communicate the value they're giving you? What would you say? What's the value? I'm just always appreciative. I'm always grateful. I pay them. No, I'm I'm more sort of saying like, what is the value? The value is you get this amazing garden. The value is it frees up your time. The value is you don't have to do stuff that you don't want to do. The value is they take away all the waste when they leave. Um, The value is they um, are really friendly and they're easy to communicate with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they are probably not aware because they're like us, right? They have fear and imposter syndrome of what their value is. But as the client, it's real easy for you to communicate the value you're getting. Yeah, but they they won't feel it. Yeah. You know, because that's when we're all in that quagmire. We don't, it doesn't matter what people say, we're still 
But this is one of the ways that we work through it, right? Yeah. This is the way we work through the fear is to actually find ways through a coach, through talking to our clients, to actually find out what the value is that we're getting. That's how we start to overcome. Because it may be that your gardener, we're going to stick on that example, has imposter syndrome, doesn't think they're good enough, doesn't really believe in their business, doesn't know if they do a good job. But the reality is you're sitting over there going, oh, this is amazing. I get mm. so much from this service and it only cost me this amount of money. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But do, do, are you meaning we? it's our job to give them that feedback? Uh, no. It's like we're talking about if you have fear, right? Imposter syndrome. Oh, got it. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you could know and understand that someone on the other side right. is going, fuel. You could even ask them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah either ask your clients yeah. or a coach or someone like, we have to find a way to actually find out the truth yeah. about the value that we're offering yeah. in our business. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, I, I recommend everybody does that. We did it a couple of years ago and we were like, oh, geez, all our customers love us. Mm. They get great feedback. And then it's <laughs> funny though because that's when I was like, oh, yeah, we, we do do good work. And it's no wonder they love us. Mm. Mm. Yeah, see, that's gold, and then that allows you to get through the fear of imposter syndrome, allows you to charge what yeah. you're worth. Yeah. So if we, I want to just summarize, because we've kind of gone all over the place here. Um, Thanks. But if someone was, just to ask, the original question is, if I'm creating something new, and I'm feeling fear, and I'm feeling imposter syndrome, what do I do? Yeah. Feel the fear anyway. Um, write it down. Get a coach. Identify it. Identify, identify it. what the specific fear is. Yeah. If it's imposter syndrome, get someone to help you figure out what is your value. Yeah. What are you good at? What yep. are you bringing into this new piece of art or this new creation or this new business that you're doing? And realize that you're going to be really shitty at some parts of it. So you are going to be an imposter and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's part of trying something new mm. and doing something new. So you got to get out there and mess it up and try stuff and break it and fix it and have a go. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, you've got to fail fast. You've got to, like, be on the court. Not And you, like you say, people work on their websites, they work on, they avoid, or the ABS, yeah. anything but sales, but really getting out there and talking. But you're right, just identifying. Identifying what is the actual fear and maybe getting some realistic approaches around that. And like I said, it, often helps me to go, what's the worst case scenario? Mm. And actually go there in my mind and just feel it and go, huh, could I deal with that? And reality is, yeah, I could. I've been through lots of different failures. Yeah. And my wish would be that more people took on um, their gift in the world and doing a business around it because it's probably just maybe there's a certain amount of people that can actually push through that fear and identify it. Maybe they're the only ones who have businesses, but there's like a ton of people out there that just want to be out there and be expressive in the world and do what it is so that many. they love. Yeah. That would be my wish. Well, that's a good place to end. Mm. Thank you for this conversation. Thanks, guys. Always great talking. And we'll see you next Tuesday. That was the Transformation Bros with Jason and Nathan. 